Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am so excited about this week. You get to listen in on a conversation that I had with Nikki Hardy, who released a book just last week, and her book is called Breathe Again, How to Live Well When Life Falls Apart. Nikki is a Brit living in the U.S., She is a rectal cancer survivor, a pastor's wife, a tea drinker, and a self-proclaimed teller of bad jokes. I don't think she told any bad jokes on my podcast, but um, I enjoyed the conversation I had with her. I love her accent, but more than anything, I love her heart. I love the message that she carries and just the hope and inspiration for women and really anybody who um, is going through something hard. And so um, without further ado, take a listen to our conversation. Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast, and I am so excited to be sitting down with uh, my new friend, Nikki Hardy, and Nikki has just had her very first book come out, and I'm really excited to hear a little more of her story, and her core message really is how to move from surviving to thriving. In fact, she says, life doesn't have to be pain-free to be full, and so I want to introduce you to Nikki. I want you to hear her beautiful accent. And um, Nikki, could you just share like a little bit about your story and about who you are with all of us? Of course. It's so great to be here. And I love that your message is so in line with what my book is about. But um, I lost both my mom and my sister to cancer. They had small cell aggressive lung cancer. And if you know anything about lung cancer, that is just brutal. And um, they survived about 14 months after their diagnoses and um, my sister Jo died in on New Year's Eve and then while I was still reeling from that just six weeks later I was diagnosed now mine wasn't lung cancer like theirs mine was rectal cancer and that one doesn't come with a pretty pink bow (laughs) it's not sexy and as you can imagine I just thought the family heat-seeking missile of death had locked in on me more specifically my rear end And I just thought, well, that's it. My time is up. I'm going to have to, you know, talk to my kids about how their mom isn't going to be around. It was, it was really hard, you know, and we pastor a church and, you know, that didn't make me immune to all the stuff that I was just like, what, what the heck God, (laughs) you know, after all I've done for you, I thought you loved me. Where's the abundant life you said that you came to give us. This doesn't look abundant, all those things. Um, And so really, you know, I was hitting rock bottom, although at first I was determined to survive. You know, you're called a cancer survivor the moment you're diagnosed. And I was like, yep, hardy by name, hardy by nature. I've got this. You know, I'm a Brit. I've got a stiff and beautifully bleached upper lip and I'm going to survive. And then, you know, that's what end up all I was doing. I was just surviving after the chemo and the radiation and the more chemo and the surgery and I had an ostomy bag. So 
I got to the point of merely surviving and um, I was just like, where's the abundant life God? And so I kind of set out to find it, not off in the future, one day, maybe when life gets better, because it might not, um, but I wanted to find it right in the midst of everything. Wow. Um, so t- going back a little bit to um, when you were diagnosed, uh, because you had just been really had been living through a very hard season, right? So you were kind of in this really hard place, having your mom pass away, having your sister pass away. You've got three young kids. Um, you receive this news for yourself. Um, and you've kind of you kind of shared in that moment, but really, what was that like for you to just be kind of back in that, if you can take us back to that place of because I think some people will be listening who will be right in that moment, whether they've just, received some bad news, lost a job, whatever it might be. Um, how did you feel? Like, were you just kind of like, like what, what was going, kind of going through your head at that time? Hmm. Well, the actual moment I was given the news, I was sitting in one of those rather soulless waiting rooms in, in the hospital. I just had a colonoscopy, which is a delight unto itself. And um, I was with my, one of my best friends because we didn't think anything was wrong. You know, I'd been sent for a colonoscopy, let's just put it that way, because they didn't think hem, um, preparation age could deal with what I was dealing with right. after having three big babies. Okay. So they thought that's all it was. And, um, you know, I was still groggy from the anesthesia. And they said, we found a five centimeter tumor and it's either cancer and or lymphoma. And I just sat there and said, oh, is there a third option? And <laughs> the doctor said, no. I was like, oh, okay then. And I I can't figure out for the life of me whether it was the peace of the Lord, denial, anesthesia, what it was. But over time, I would swing from, you know, it's going to be fine. God, you know, my faith and my God and my stiff upper lip were going to make everything fine. And then I'd be back in the the fear and the anxiety and the how are we going to tell the kids and what's that going to look like going forward and I'd seen what it look, could look like going forward and so that was pretty brutal um, and I realized that somehow it's possible to hold both kind of panic and peace in the palm of the same hand and I don't know how that works but it's this odd kind of tension juxtaposition wow. so I had it all going yeah. on but I'm not very emotionally in tune and so I I think at the time I wasn't aware of it I've had to think back a lot to think about what was I feeling and why wasn't I reacting like this or like this I just I love the picture that you painted even of all of all of the things that are going on in your head Mm -hmm. and the space that you were at and really as you're speaking what came to mind was that idea of surviving and I think that um, one thing you mention often, which I love, is just that um, you don't have to wait to be through the hard thing to mm. thrive. And so, I mean, it may not happen right away as you're there in shock of what is unraveling or unfolding bef- you know, before you, but um, what was kind of the turning point for you where you just said, hey, I, I can move from surviving to thriving? And, and, and what did that mm. look like? Well, it really um, started by meeting people in online cancer communities, which 
if you read the book, I was so anti-community to start with, which is terrible for a pastor's wife and an extrovert. But it came, I, you know, came with a whole load of baggage. But eventually, I connected with a lot of um, cancer survivors online. But many of them kind of shunned the name cancer survivor for the more hope-filled cousin cancer thriver and there was something so attractive and inviting about that I kind of went oh I want what they have I want what they're you know what they're drinking because there was this sense of they weren't denying that life was hard and really hard but they were jolly well going to grab the most out of it right where they are and I think they had moved past this um, life's got to be happy, skippy, healthy, and wealthy in order to be abundant and full. They'd found it in what I think and came to realize was the, the abundance that God means for us. He doesn't mean for it to all be, you know, Facebook fabulous. He said, I came to give you life and life in all its fullness, not life in all its fabulousness. So how can we do that? And so meeting those people, that was the shifting moment. And so when you were there, you, like you said, you realized as reluctant as you were to reach out and have community, that that was pivotal. I found that same thing for myself. I, d I still don't know if I'm an extrovert or introvert, but I found com <laughs> community is huge to be able to thrive. Um, and then what were some of the, or some of the small steps or mindset changes? Like what were kind of the things that started that ball rolling for you? Mm. Well, my book, Breathe Again, is that practical roadmap for moving from surviving to thriving. And it's got, I outline seven tools, or I, call, I actually call them practices because I always think of tools as being, you know, you hit the nail with the hammer and it's fixed. And I think these are more, you know, we have to use them every day and accept where we're at to begin with. But what, and so those um, are choose brave and trust God and find community, be vulnerable, um, embrace the journey, practice gratitude and reach out. But before we can enter into those, I felt like it was really important to kind of explode the myth that, you know, life in all its fullness isn't glossy and Instagram worthy. Um, and for us to stop waiting for it to get like that in order to live abundantly right where we are. And then we had to just deal with the lies we believe. We've got to expose them, we've got to dig them up and then replace them with truth. And then we can move forward and start this journey because I don't know about you, but when I believe enough rubbish about myself and God, when life is good and when life's hard and we're in that survival mode, we believe a whole ton of stuff that's just nonsense. <laughs> well, I love that you mentioned that. And I had the chance to read the first chapter of your book because you offer it for free. Uh, there's a link, actually, if you go to Nikki Hardy's Instagram, um, there is a link to download and probably also to your website um, mm -hmm. to download the first chapter. And you will read that first chapter and go straight over to Amazon and order that book because you'll realize um, you may be somebody who um, is not super affected by cancer in your daily life and think, oh, this book isn't for me. But what I love is that, um, or even I haven't had a lot of storms in my life. Um, what I love is that 
through Nikki's book, she is helping you for when those storms of life come, because I've found that you just live long enough and the storms come in different shapes and sizes. And so the first chapter, she really starts to unpack those lies we believe about ourselves and the lies we believe about God. And Nikki, what I loved is that um, you go through your story, but I know you believe this strongly and I do too. The power of transformation will happen as people sit and do their own work. And so you have laid that out beautifully in the back of that first chapter where um, you have people, you really go through that process. You lead people through the process of sitting with a lie or sitting with something and you just say, how do I unpack this? Let's keep asking questions, digging deeper. And you use the analogy of getting to the root, like digging up a dandelion root and um, being able to sit with God and remove that lie. And there's even a prayer. And I don't know if you do this at the end of every chapter, but I was like, this is such a good um, tool or practice just to have in that book. So is there more you can share about each of the chapters and how you've kind of laid that out for people? Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but I need somebody to say, this is how you do it because I know all the stuff I need to do. Like when I was sick or when, even when I'm struggling because one of my teenagers isn't back by their curfew and I start feeling anxious or, you know, I've got to have a difficult conversation with a friend. It doesn't have to be life altering, but um, I'm like, I know I need to trust God. I know I need to do X, Y, Z, but how? Cause I sit there and I go, Oh, okay. I'm going to trust God. And then it's like, no, actually, I'm still really, really angry with you. Or, you know, I'm not sure I can trust my child's life with you, God. And so I knew that I needed to write a super practical book that would hold people's hand and do it together and with God. That um, it wasn't just a, now you need to trust God kind of blanket statement. But this is how you do it when you don't want to. You know, you can check out his credentials just like you would a plumber. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't trust a plumber without checking him out. Why would you trust God? You can ask for his help. You can, you know, look at what you're holding on to instead and let go of that and choose to hold on and keep a record and all these things. So, yes, at the end of every chapter, I have questions to help you wrestle with it and help us all dive in and go through the process and then a prayer because I'm one of these people that firmly believes that it's all very well talking about God and the change he can do but what if we met God and we sat with him and we asked him to do the changing and we left a chapter changed not because we're sitting there banging ourselves on the head going I should do this I must do that but because we've encountered God and he's done the changing isn't that amazing? Yep, absolutely. And I love what you um, what you just shared in there is that it doesn't have to be major things always, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. the storm is that idea of, hey, my kid has just gotten in a car with somebody else. Mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, And those, I think, for me especially, I, that's often what I think is the, the surviving to thriving in life is just every day knowing mm-hmm. how to deal with those things. So again, those lies that come up, and that's why I think this book is so valuable because it's not just about um, these major, major things in life, Um, though it is helpful to deal with those lies about ourselves and God ahead of time. It's also just the daily struggles, the daily things that I think, like you said, so many of us get caught up in that place of anxiety or feeling like 
um, we have to control things or we can control things. Um, and we, we really get, um, I often use that terminology of tangled up, um, thinking mm. about those weeds again. Um, so I love that you are walking people through that. I can, I actually can imagine people having your book in their purse, um, just next to their stuff that's worn and tattered because they need to pull out those prayers and they have found that to be reliable. So I love also in the, that in the book, you don't just share your story. You actually have other people um, mm. that you are sharing about. So can you share a little bit about that? Yes. Well, these seven practices didn't come about because I kind of thought, oh, you know, what's what's happened in my life? I actually asked about 20 or 30 people that I know who either just live continuously with really hard situations or have been through it. And I collated all their answers when I asked them, you know, how do you thrive and not just survive? How do you find all God has for you right where you are? And they gave me all these tips and they fell into these seven areas, which I then made the practices. And then I decided to share a bit of each of their stories um, in the, each chapter. So I could only choose seven because there are seven practices. So I chose seven people. There's Becky, who's who lost her husband when she was seven months pregnant with her um, eight months pregnant with her second their second child. There's Grace, who um, has continually got brain tumors growing in her head. Todd, who's got chronic pain. Kristen, who's a triple amputee and mother of five. You know, there's Erin, who's got two toddlers that both have epilepsy. You know, these people, so it's a variety of things. And then I also share just more, not just cancer-driven stories from my life, but when life gets hard on the daily, Um, And then each chapter also has an often forgotten woman of the Bible and how they do it too, um, to bring it, to bring it to life, really. Wow. There's so much in there. And um, I love that you brought in other stories of other people who are thriving through the hard things they're going through. Um, I was thinking about how sometimes we can experience something in life, again, a marriage dissolving, losing a job, um, an illness, something, and then we can actually get stuck there sometimes, right? The storm itself may have sort of quote unquote passed, but we can end up in that place where we can't move past it. Is there anything you would um, share with people who feel like they're kind of, hey, I experienced a storm, you know, uh, whether it is um, someone close to me passed away or something, and, and I don't know how to move past that. Or I don't know how to thrive. What would you say to those people? Well, I think it's, um, first of all, don't beat yourself up. You know, it's, it's very normal. These things are big and they're devastating and they, to, let's not negate the impact that they have on us and give ourselves permission. I know you've spoken about that on your podcast, permission to feel these things. Um, but then at the same time, we don't want it to become part of our identity. You know, I am the grieving one or I am the cancer patient. Um, and, and I think what I lay out in the book, this, um, this process of, you know, addressing the lies and then choosing brave and trusting God. It's, it's, it's a journey. And I think the first thing we have to do is say, I'm going to stop waiting to stop, to feel, stop waiting until I don't feel like this anymore before I can, um, move on because, I don't, I don't know whether the, the emotions ever just poof and go away. They might lessen, but especially with grief. But um, I 
I think one of the key messages of the book is don't wait. Stop waiting either to feel better or for the hard thing to be over. You know, we've got to be take intentional steps. And that's why brave, choosing brave is my first tool because you know, it doesn't need to be big. It just needs to be intentional. Brave isn't something um, we are, you know, it's something we do. And so if we can just bravely step into it, I think it then starts. And, you know, we use the analogy, you know, God can't move, can't steer a parked car. And so if we start moving, I think it's easier for God to move us and mold us and shape us and heal us than when we're just stuck. That's so good. Yeah. I love that because I think um, I'm definitely somebody with very big emotions um, and I can find myself stuck in places. And I love what you're just saying, not to wait until it feels like, oh, sudden, like you said, suddenly everything feels great. It's unicorns and rainbows. And um, I think that's something I've found in my own life to be true, that even in the hard things, well, what can I do to choose these things, whether it's engaging with other people, or again, I think that practice of gratitude, which helps shift my perspective. And, um, you know, we often, like you were dispelling that myth, we often have this idea that other people are built a certain way, like they're built to withstand these things. They're built to, um, I could, you know, I've had that. I could never do that. I could never survive that. All of those things. Um, and then sometimes we walk into those things, we go, Oh, okay. I did. And really that we're meant to walk through those things, holding his hand. And I love, I think let's just, um, go there for a second. I love what you talk about is that idea of, um, some of the lies you believed about God, because sometimes the storms in life come. And if we have these myths or misconceptions about God, we're in the storm now feeling alone, abandoned, this is our fault. Um, and so we feel like I'm going through the storm, but I don't have God to hold my hand through it. So can you just share about a little bit about some of those lies you believed about God or that people commonly believe? Yes. And it's so common. Um, so again, I hate the idea of people beating themselves up with this, but I found myself, um, thinking God had left me, that he wasn't listening, that he was off, you know, helping more spiritual people who didn't shout at their kids on the way to church, you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, I think it's really important that we, we take a moment to actually think about what we believe. Because I think for me, especially um, not being hugely in touch with my emotions, I don't think, oh, I'm thinking this. What I do is just I react. Um, and I don't know that I'm reacting out of a place of hurt or, you know, uh, a wrong belief about God or anyone else. And so if we can take time to think, well, why, why do I think this? And that's the exercise in the back of that chapter, which is, okay, so, you know, I say, well, God, why, you know, where have you gone? You know, I, have you left me? And it's like, so, so, and you go, well, because otherwise, you know, if you loved me, you'd be here. Why? Because after all I've done for you, Lord, and you just keep digging. And so I think it's important to actually take some time to do that. Because if you're anything like me, you just rush on and react. And I was going to say about the emotions piece. I talk about a woman called Susan David, who is a psychologist and researcher. 
And she's done an amazing TED talk, which I think everyone should listen to. But she talks about how emotions, what if we were to see them not as good or bad, positive or negative, but just signposts to our next action. And that was transformational to me because, you know, if we can say, okay, I'm feeling something, what is it? Okay, what is my next action in this? And that was really helpful. I love that. I, um, in this little book that I have written and yet don't know <laughs> where it's going, um, I also talk about that idea of emotions as kind of then when you have the emotion, whether it's anger or tears or whatever, to be able to sit with it and say, why am I feeling this way? And actually that they are a great way to be able to get to the root of what's going on. And so I've started to do that when I, when I feel something in a really big way, um, whether, you know, it could be a fight with my husband that I'm suddenly, it's like, or, or him, one of us gets suddenly angry and it's like, what are we actually angry about? Let's dig deep. Mm. And so, um, I think that practice of being able to sit with God with our emotions and say, Hey, like these aren't, again, these aren't good or bad, but why? And what, what is that showing me? What's that? Um, so I love that. I love that there are so many tools in your book, uh, that I know you call practices and actually, which I also want to talk about, um, but things in your book that help guide people through. So I love the practicalness of it because I think we need more of that. Like we don't want to just read a book about here's Nikki's story and isn't that nice for her, but actually be able to apply those things to her life is so good. Um, and so when you mention practices, um, instead of tools, what are things you find yourself practicing the most in your daily life today? That's a great question. Um, I think the one that I struggle with a lot, um, still is often embracing the journey because when when life's hard and like you say for whatever reason often where we are is the last place we want to be and so looking around us and taking time and um, enjoying trying to enjoy where we are and noticing the good things all that that it's very easy for me I'm a seven on the Enneagram and if you know anything about the Enneagram yeah. that's the one who's all happy skippy and if life gets hard they just want to move on and make a joke about it right. that's me so you know and as I talk about in breathe again you know God didn't call himself you know I will be or I might be he is the God I am and so it's very present moment. Mm. And um, so I think for me, remembering to embrace every part of the journey can be, can be quite challenging, can be quite challenging for me. I like that. I could definitely relate to that. I also think that your Enneagram 7-ness is part of, I think, what makes um, your book so easy to read because you're very funny. And I'm sure people, even in the first few minutes of the podcast, you had so many great little phrases that um, do bring some life to a book that could otherwise be kind of heavier hard. And so um, I really hope that everybody listening finds this book and actually buys two copies, one for yourself and one for another friend um, that you could even go through. And this this would be a great practice, actually, if you bought the book for your friend or a whole group of you, read a chapter, and then accountably with each other said, let's go through 
the work at the end of this chapter together. Because I often have read books where there's questions at the end and I just skip through them like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to them later. But that is where the transformation takes place as you sit with God, as you work on these things and they can feel hard or scary, but there will be this lightness and thriving that comes through them as you uproot the lies and um, just deal with all of those things. And so I love what Nikki is saying that, you know, it is a journey. It is a process. It isn't like one day, you know, everything is suddenly great, but um she has so many great tools and practices in her book. I'm really excited um, to read it myself, for you guys to read it. And I want to ask one last question of you, Nikki. Um, I know that this writing journey came about because you had this experience. Do you have any other books you're hoping to write? Are you speaking? Like, where is your life right now? Uh, yes. So there's a, another book, maybe. Um, just bubbling under the surface. I'm thinking about doing a podcast. We talked about this yeah. before we hit record. Um, I would love to do that. And either of those two, possibly with Al, my husband. Yeah. Um, so yes, we shall see where things go. And yes, I am I would say I'm more of a speaker that writes than a writer who speaks. And so I would love to come and speak at anybody's women's event or um, anything that's going on. Um, I, that is where I come alive the most. So I'd love that. And, and meeting people and getting people to hug them in, getting to hug them in person. Well, I was actually thinking how I would love to read your book because I want to highlight things and go through the questions, but I also want the audio version because who doesn't want to listen to you read the book and, um, so I think people can get both. And where where can they find you, connect with you? Where can they learn a little bit more? Well, my website is NikkiHardy.com. And I spell my name N-I-K-I-H-A-R-D-Y. So NikkiHardy.com. And under the book tab, they can grab those free chapters, uh, first couple of chapters, or um, just buy the book. But there's lots of resources and other talks and things that they can download there. And I hang out on Instagram at Nikki.hardy and on Facebook as well, Nikki Hardy author. But would love to love to meet people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And I know that um, you will be helping people move one step closer from surviving to thriving. So thank you. Thanks for joining me today. If you'd like to connect more, you can find me hanging out on Instagram at Jacqueline.widener. This has been an Extend Network production.